Yo, what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast, episode 151. Time is flying by, which is nuts because this has been the longest year ever. Anyway, of course, I am your host, Armand Lee, hoping everybody is safe and happy and doing whatever you need to do to make sure you keep your peace mentally and physically throughout these kind of crazy times. I appreciate you rocking with me for about an hour to hour and a half each and every week. And this week, got a pretty special show for you lined up, man. Dak Prescott is finally solved his contract dispute, well, at least short term, with the Dallas Cowboys. He even put his bama ass out there on Instagram with a cowboy hat, man. Some folks just can't be saved. However, I am fascinated with the idea of the quarterback. We've been told that the NFL is all about having the quarterback, and yet Dallas is willing to do this with one of the more productive signal callers of the last few years. Does that mean that the entire facade is now destroyed? We're going to discuss that a little bit later. Plus, J. Cole, Bill Simmons, Tina Fey, everybody's catching heat this week, bro. But I am not more so interested in the quote-unquote cancel culture because if you listen to this show for any amount of time, you know that I feel that cancel culture doesn't even exist. But those celebrities and others, they have now been put in a position of change. Will they take it, though? I'm going to talk about that in the fourth quarter. All of that and so much more. But first, our number one topic this week. First quarter. I made this tweet. I think it was last week or so on my personal Twitter account. And it was like, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm not reading it verbatim right now. But the tweet basically was like, yo, watching these professional leagues, and specifically I was talking about the NBA. Watching the NBA, you know, release their plans for the rollout and the actual rollout itself of their return. It's kind of like when you're out with your homeboys, man, and one partner who been drinking, feeling himself, but everybody in your crew knows he can't fight. You understand? And we all have that friend where we go out, we try to tell him to chill, relax. Some of us, we go, we go beyond the measures. We want to make sure that they have food in their system before we go out and drink because you want to go through every single precaution every single measure that you possibly can to make sure that we avoid the catastrophe, which is your friend getting blitzed and then thinking like, yo, you know what I'm saying? I'm George Foreman. I, I, I'm Superman at this joint. I could take anybody because lo and behold, every single, like I've had this from before so much so that I, I don't even, the, the person that I'm thinking about when I'm ta- telling this story, I'm not even cool with them no more for real because this has happened way too much. You do everything that you can. You have seen the signs. Everybody know where this is headed. Except for the person who can't fight. And at some point, they have to learn, like, yo, it's either the easy way or the hallway, bro. We've been trying to do this the easy way, and yet you keep on wanting to do it the hallway. So you know what? When you get your ass tattooed a few times in the face, hopefully you have learned your lesson. That's the way I'm viewing not just the NBA, but all of these professional sports leagues who are so ready and eager to return to the playing field. It's like y'all are ignoring all of the signs. 
Your homeboy's already been like, hey, man, let's chill out, bro. We're just trying to have a good time. Oh, no, nah, we ain't, you ain't paying attention to that. So then your girl come, hey, honey, man, just chill. We got, relax, man. We just here to fun, have fun. Don't worry about him. Ain't nobody worried about him. Nope. Pass that exit. It's just straight for the collision course. And unfortunately, unlike this analogy, your friend, it gets beat up. If you got your friends with you, right? Even if it's a one-on-one -on -one battle, right? If it's a one-on-one, it's a fair one. If your friend deserved it, you let him get touched a few times only because, A, he's been drinking, so you're not even going to really feel it like that. And, B, he need to learn his lesson. And you're not going to let your friend just get hemmed up and, like, get significantly hurt. But if it's just a fair one, nobody getting stomped out, nobody getting hit with any type of, you know, outside objects. It's just hand-to-hand, -hand, right? You, if your friend earned that joint, you like yo. He need to go ahead and eat a few. He need to eat a few punches real quick, just so he knows not to do this. But in real life, in real life, the NBA there are no punches here, because they're playing for real. Corona, COVID nineteen, dog. It's not a game, and I just keep on seeing all of these bad faith actors. Whether it's politically, they've made their way into sports. It's just nasty, bro. We've lost 120,000 Americans in three months, three and a half months. Don't talk to me about the flu. <laughs> you understand? I'm looking at, I'm just I'm doing some, you know, I'm just doing some research. Not for the, you know, just so I can be informed. And I find out that in 2019, 2020, the, the flu season, which is seven months, right? October to May. We lost anywhere, and they, they do a ballpark, right? Because there's an estimate. They said 24 to 65,000 Americans died in a seven-month span from the flu. Think about that. We are double that in half as much time. Don't talk to me about this is the flu. It's not. And then number one, that's number one. Number two, the flu has the vaccine. Slim. I know way too many people. Hell, some of y'all listening may be one of these people who just do not take the flu shot. They just will never take the flu shot. I used to be that way when I was a teenager. And then I got the flu one time and I was like, oh, no, nah, I'm not doing this again. So every year I get a flu shot and I haven't had the flu since. Imagine if there was a COVID shot that you could take again. This vaccine that they talking about, I just saw in the news the other day, uh, Anthony Fauci was saying, yo, we think that there's going to be a, he's actually confident that there's going to be a vaccine at the end of this year, or the beginning of 2021. That's cool. I'm not racing to get the COVID vaccine. All right. And I, I think a lot of brothers and sisters understand why read up. Everybody's reading about the history right now. Everybody wants to talk about, you know, black wall street and Juneteenth and which is dope. We all need to be informed about that. We also need to be informed about the Tuskegee experiments, right? <laughs> Okay, so, yo, I'm not going to be running to the COVID vaccine shot, okay? I'm going to let a few Bama's take that joint out and see how that works. But with the flu, we've got enough data. And even then, COVID is twice as dangerous, deadly, in half the time. And we aren't just talking, when we talk about the impact, the effects of this virus, it's not just the deaths. You understand? One of my favorite rappers ever, Scarface. Dog, he had it, beat it, and then he had lung failure. 
I'm sure some of you guys have seen the picture floating around uh, where someone who actually did not beat, did not defeat COVID, they actually passed. They had an autopsy and they showed the lungs and the damage it does. This thing just started. We have no earthly idea any type of lasting impact that this virus could have. You understand what I'm saying? So when I see so many people so eager, so ready to get back out and to play soccer or play basketball, or play hockey or baseball, whatever the case may be, I'm just thinking, Joe, what's the rush? I understand that we are in an economic down a period of uncertainty when it comes to the economy. I get that. And I do also understand that in this country specifically, we, so much of our economy is based on these sports. I mean, it, if anything, these past three months have, have shown a light of just how faulty our entire foundation is, whether it's the healthcare industry, whether it's how people are paid compensation, whether it's the racial injustice that's going on, all of these things have been basically thrown upon us in three months, three and a half months, close to four months now. Like the middle of March is when things just were like, yo, what? <laughs> right? And all of these things are impacted. It's like a house of cards. You pull one down, the whole, the whole experiment is done. It's been illuminating. It's been alarming. It's quite scary when you think about it. Look at what has happened in three and a half months to just shut everything down. And not just shut everything down, but to just expose just how fraudulent so much of this is. So even if you can't, if the, if the economic boom that people seem to think that sports will have, even if that did happen, I mean, how do you think, I mean, how long do you think that lasts? I don't know if you guys have been reading up on like kind of like economists and like their predictions. God bless. I'm so fortunate, man. And I hope each and every one of you all, when I say, man, I hope y'all safe and I hope y'all have peace of mind. I genuinely mean it, bro, because these are these are wild times and scary times. So many people like. And I'm not going to get into politics. I've done that in the past few weeks. I'm, I'm not going to do into that. But when you look at kind of the the rental and mortgage kind of phase that we're in where people are not being evicted right that's up in the end of july we have one month similarly the 600 i guess this was a 600 unemployment um, unemployment bonus for folks who have lost their jobs or have been unable to get work because of COVID. that ends in the end of july so you do the math of what happens in August and September because the forecast from not just one, not just two or a handful, but by many econ economists, excuse me, they're saying, dog, we haven't even seen the, the worst of this yet from an economic standpoint. Dog, that's frightening, right? You, we, we hope people do the right thing. We hope people have compassion, but dog, people won't even wear masks. You feel me? Like, 
I don't know, man. I don't want to be jaded as the old man. You know, I'm not even 40 yet. But like, I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting back and watching this, and and how people have been kind of played, and how wearing a mask has somehow been manipulated into a political rally cry about being real or being fearful and being a sheep. And I'm just thinking to myself, Joe, how do we get here? How did we get here? And that's on a larger scale. You want to refine the focus back to sports. Bro, look at, just look at the last week. We talked about Kyrie Irving on the last week's episode and how people are unfairly, in my opinion, killing Kyrie Irving because of his current position, but also because of other positions that he has had in the past. Yes, he has said dumb things before. But that doesn't mean that what he's saying now is somehow less credible. He is addressing concerns for many players about this bubble idea. Hello, I don't know if everybody's paid attention. Look at what's going on in Florida, specifically the county in which this kind of bubble experiment will be taking place. A surge in COVID cases, dog. Like your friend at the bar who's had one too many who's ignoring all of the signs for him it's going to take an ass whooping in this real life application. I hope it doesn't take a tragedy. I love sports. I do a fucking podcast on sports every single week. I've made a career off of producing, writing, editing, sports, shooting sports. I love it. It is my life. Truly, it is a significant, I shouldn't say it's my life. It is a significant chunk of my life. I don't need sports back, bro. Not that bad. I promise you I don't. And I'm I'm confident that y'all don't either. We've gotten by for three months. You can listen to your favorite sports podcast if they're creative. I, look, I, I personally think that the, the quarterly report podcast is super dope. Personally, I'm biased, whatever. But we get by, you know what I'm saying? Like, Joe, there's so much to talk. Think about it. We are living in the most convenient part, period, of time ever. Dog, you can watch a show that was on 30 years ago whenever you feel like it. You can watch all of your favorite movies. You understand? You can have your favorite food delivered to your house whenever you want it. Not just pizza, not just Chinese food, literally. Damn near every food that you could possibly want can be delivered you can talk to friends who live across the country you can look at your you let's keep it funky bro coming up you understand yeah like if you was on an aau trip you was on a sports trip you feeling a little lonely you know something about you had to call your home you had to call your girl up like yo what's happening you you know what i'm saying and it was just what now Slim, you can face it. Everything is so convenient for you. Everything. You understand? And we out here tripping. Because we don't want to wear a mask. And now we tripping because we want sports back so badly. Forget the fact that the sports that we're going to see will not be good. The product is going to suffer. Because, of course, the product will suffer. And I get it. Maybe you work in sports. Maybe you work in one of these professional organizations. And I'm not talking about the players or the coaches. 
but I'm talking about the people who work in, you know, the field, the, the production teams, right? Maybe you're, uh, you know, one of the camera crews, or maybe you're one of the, you know, audio guys in the, in, in the trucks and whatever the case, there's so many people who are involved in broadcasting sports. I get it. And if you are one of those people, understand, I'm not talking to you. I get why you want to get back because you need to take care of your family. I get that. But everybody else, you understand? Like, wh why is your life so, what's absent in your life that you need to, to sit in front of a television for two and a half to three hours as opposed to, like, bonding with your loved ones or reading a book or watching a movie, riding a bike, going outside, maybe just sleeping, maybe just chilling. Every Like, this full period of time, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, man, I'm going to use this time to X, Y, Z. Maybe you just need to chill out. Whatever it is, do that. Because we are now approaching the period in the bar where all of our friends are telling us to chill out. All of the signs are telling us, bro, relax. You don't want this. This is going to end poorly for you. All of the signs, all of your homeboys like, man, nah, man, just leave it alone. Your homegirl, your girlfriend saying, honey, relax. Stop trying to pick a fight. Stop trying to make this a thing. We keep ignoring all of the signs, all of the data. It's almost as if we need to be taught a lesson. But again, in this application, there are no punches. You understand? The only thing, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, bro. But it feels increasingly like I'm not. And that the only thing that will stop this, this momentum, this rush to sports, is a tragedy. And imagine if you have any kind of compassion, if you have any type of integrity, if you have any type of decency, if your rush, your passion to be entertained ends up resulting in a death. How are you going to look at yourself at night? Dog, these are questions that we have to ask ourselves, bro, because it's becoming quite clear. It's becoming quite clear. We as a country, we just thought that we would out America the coronavirus. Like, yo, we done now. Coronavirus, bow to America. Bald Eagle, Team America, baby. America, Fuck yeah, like all that shit. Like we just thought, yo, the power of Americana would just beat down this extremely contagious, very dangerous virus. <laughs> That's not how things work. I have no doubt that the NFL will continue. And we've talked about in the past, we'll probably talk about that in the future, whatever. I am not confident in the the... I'm not confident. I don't want to say the intellect. I'm not confident in the integrity of the people who are leading that league. I know it's money over everything for them. I get that. And maybe that's my own fault. I'm just naive. Maybe you understand? Because that's pro that's, that's, that's what this country is built upon. Money topples everything. Even decency, even life. We have college students who are playing a, a sport and are being infected with this disease. And yo, 
don't tell me, oh man, there's a X amount of percent chance, dog. If it's a point zero zero one percent chance, again, you're saying that yo, the likelihood of these guys dying, these women dying, is so minuscule. But what happens if one does? What happens if in ten years their bodies are significantly damaged or altered because of one summer? Because we couldn't just wait. Dog, come on, bro. We 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 need to be better. Life will not end if there are no sports in for the rest of 2020. I promise you it won't. Let's start doing a risk reward. We talked about that last week, right? Let's start doing an evaluation. What is your priority? Entertainment or decency? Because as I look around, I'm starting to see the entertainment outweighs all of it. And that makes me feel like this entire situation, this entire setup, all of it, it's just too nasty for me. I want to hear your thoughts, though, man. What do you think? Do you think that we can continue this restart of sports in America and do it safely? Honestly, do you think that we can do this safely? And what I mean safely, I don't necessarily mean a tragedy. But can we do this without any unnecessary impact? And if there is a tragedy, can you look yourself in the mirror and be happy and comfortable with that? I, I want to have these honest conversations, man, because look, this thing ain't stopping. You understand? I know it's not going to stop. We all know it's going to happen. And the only thing that would stop it, unfortunately, is a tragedy. And I hope that that doesn't happen. I'm not confident, though. But I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Let me know what you think about this or anything else you may have on your mind. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at the show at quarterly show again we spell quarterly here q u a r t e r l e e all right guys that's the first quarter now we're going to step onto the gridiron as america's team finally showed their quarterback the money kind of it's our second topic this second quarter it's so funny how the cowboys dominate so much of the sports world's discussion right and i get it from a rating standpoint that the Dallas Cowboys are far and away the most popular franchise in America. And yet they are so annoying because they everything that they do is played out on the largest scale. And it's just so, it's so annoying. Bro, they've been talking about Dak Prescott since January. Probably before that, but definitely since January. Here we are in June, almost the end of June. And Dak Prescott signed his... Um, Franchise tag, excuse me, franchise tender. And his Bama ass put on a cowboy hat on his Instagram page and almost is like, howdy. <laughs> it, which goes back to one of my original takes that I ever uh, shared on this show. If you want to have a good quarterback, he better be lame as hell. Seriously. All of the very good quarterbacks or the ones who have been successful in recent history have been the lamest motherfuckers you could imagine. Now, we don't know about Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't have any bass in his voice. And I don't know if he has any facial hair. Those are two really bad signs for brothers. You understand? So, but I, I hey, I withhold my judgment because he's cold. But because he's so good, makes me think he probably is lame. You understand? Russell Wilson is from Richmond. I love Russ. Lame as shit. We all know it. Good dude. You could be, I want to make sure some people understand when I say lame. You could be lame, 
and be a good a good person. Like that's cool. That is fine. Nothing nothing wrong with being lame, especially when you are an athlete making millions of dollars and are adored by millions. Right? It's good people, just lame as hell. Dak Prescott is lame as hell, bro. Super lame. Which just makes it all the more odd that they, we are in this position in the first place. Look, y'all know how I feel about building a team in the quarterback position and paying them all this amount of money. I don't think it's necessary. In fact, I think some team, some organization, at some point, hopefully in the not too distant future, will start to think outside of the box and realize, yo, there is a market deficiency. There's an inefficient market here, right? We can we can take advantage of it. But everybody else have been swearing to the, the to the heavens. Oh my goodness. To have a quarter to, to be successful in the NFL, you have to have a franchise quarterback. And if you have a franchise quarterback, you pay him. It's just it's always that way. It's the reason why the Minnesota Vikings spent that much money on Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is an above average quarterback. We've talked about this ad nauseum here. But he's not worth the money he's being paid because we have somehow ballooned the idea. Like we have participated in this this ridiculous imbalance where we put almost all of the praise, almost all of the importance of a team, a successful team on one position. And I don't care. It's not. We've seen it played out. Okay. Nick Foles won a super. Nick Foles was the quarterback of a team who outplayed Tom Brady. Nick Foles is not a franchise quarterback. We know this. We also know Aaron Rodgers is 100% a franchise quarterback, and his team has outwardly done things against him, right? Almost as if they're working against him. They've already drafted his successor, and he's he won the Super Bowl, but he hasn't been back since. So you can have one of the greatest quarterbacks ever and not make it to two Super Bowls. And then you can have an Eli Manning and not only make it to two Super Bowls, but win two Super Bowls. Don't tell me Eli Manning is great. Don't tell me Joe Flacco is great. Y'all told me when Russ was going to Super Bowls that he wasn't. Now all of a sudden y'all think he is. Like What is it? Don't tell me Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford can't even win a playoff game. But he makes all this money. Like, you understand? So why is it? And I'm. this is not, a, I promise you, this is not a race thing. I just don't know why Dak is the line where we draw where we draw the line at Dak. The Alabama's winning. What's, what's, what's the boy's name? Um. Oh, man, I'm drawing up. So Carson Wentz, I understand. Carson Wentz, despite the fact that he can't play a whole season, he's special. When he does play, he's phenomenal, right? I get that. What is the? The quarterback for the Rams. Oh, my God. I, I, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name right now. It's going to annoy me. Y'all going to hear me remind myself in the fourth quarter just randomly. Oh, dude. But y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, this is blowing me. But the Rams quarterback. Trash. They just paid him. They just paid him. He had one great year. One awful year. And then one eh, year. But they paid him. Why is it that Dak is the guy? Because he checks all the boxes. He, what they say, the, the best ability is availability. Well, Dak plays. 
We know that. Plays through pain. It's durable. It gets better each year. He's grown. He's one of the best. Uh, if whatever quarterback metric you look at, he's always among the league's best. Efficient passer. Gets the ball down the field. Just doesn't turn the ball over. Whatever you ask of him, he does. So why are they trying to penny pinch when it comes to him? And when I say penny pinch, I know what I'm saying. They want to pay him the money. They don't want the years. They want the five years. He wants the four years. Dak wants the four. He wants four because all of the quarterbacks in his range, they have been playing for five years already. Like the Cowboys could have offered him the same deal last year. He would have been cool with it. So what's changed? Why is it that Dak is the guy? And look, I wouldn't want to pay Dak Prescott that much money either. I'm not even faulting the Cowboys for not wanting to pay him. Jared Goff, thank you. Whew. So it didn't take me to the fourth quarter. It just took me four minutes, but whatever. Dog, old age is a mother. Getting older, that shit don't play. Y'all better take your vitamins, baby. Anyway, my whole point is to say, if we all can identify that, you know what? I don't feel comfortable paying Dak Prescott that much money. Then we all then, at some way, some way, somehow, some point, understand that there is a, a serious issue. There is a inefficiency. There is so a problem in the marketplace when it comes to quarterbacks. We've now seen that, hey, if you could draft the quarterback and get them early on and they could produce early on on their rookie scale, you could surround them with all of this talent. And then before you pay them, you have a window to succeed. Well, unless we're talking about a Patrick Mahomes, unless we're talking about one of the all-time best quarterbacks or potential in Aaron Rodgers, if we're talking about players like that, then why wouldn't you do, and again, I've said this so many times on the show, but why wouldn't you do the same thing that we do with the running back position? You use them up, and then you, move, you spin them out. Why wouldn't you use the same mentality for the quarterback position as we do with the running backs? Look, I get it. Quarterbacks are more important than running backs. I am with you. But we just talked about how we've seen it time and time again. Quarterbacks on rookie contracts win in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes just did it. Carson Wentz probably would have done it had he not gotten hurt. But they had Nick Foles to finish the job. This is my point, man. It's not like you need Aaron Rodgers to win Super Bowls in the NFL. You just don't. We've seen it. Tom Brady won a Super Bowl game scoring what? Was the year they beat the Rams? What was it like? Ten to seven, something like that. Nine to six, some some ridiculous. Ten to six. Score one touchdown. <laughs> and it's Tom Brady. So we don't criticize him because he has an entire resume. But if you just look at each individual year as one year, just a, a one year of data as opposed to a collective, then you realize like we're in a time where the coaches are so sophisticated. The skill position players are just so dominant. If you draft offensive line, that if you have a dominant offensive line, You've putting yourself a neck ahead of the competition. And then if you just have two or three elite defensive players, particularly a pass rusher and a defensive back, dog, you may have the whole game scheduled or one. 
So why wouldn't you just cycle through quarterbacks? Because you would be able to keep your offensive line. You'd be able to keep your defense. Like, if you don't want Dak, if we all agree that Dak at 30-some-odd, 35, $37 million, and like, that's too much, then we are coming to a breaking point where we all understand, dog, we can do the quarterback thing a little bit different. We could. And I'm not saying just move on from a quarterback if you had success and then his contract is up, just let him walk. I'll try to negotiate with him. But if they understand, like, dog, it's not about you. It's about this entire product. Then you'd probably have more quarterbacks be like, yo, okay, I'll take, I won't take the 37. I'll take the 25 or whatever the case may be. Every team drafts a quarterback in the first round every year. And then it's always a quarterback taken in the second or third round who's somehow, some way surprises everyone. Mitch Trubisky. You understand, like, teams teams mess up. You spend so much draft capital. You spend so much money. And then when you have a quarterback, what's the first thing you feel like you have to do? You have to give them the – look at what happened in New England. Tom Brady did not play well, and everyone blamed the skill position players. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We have fallen into the trap where it's never the quarterback's fault, and it's always the quarterback who is the reason to keep praise. There's an inefficiency there, bro. I don't care what y'all say. And the fact that Dak Prescott, who has done everything could that it could be asked, he's lame, so he's a good quarterback. He's durable, doesn't miss games. He's competent, doesn't turn the ball over. Gets better each year. Very, very accurate. Whatever the case may be, he does it. And yet we all agree, eh, $35, $34 million for Dak, that's a lot of money, bro. If we all can agree on that, then we kind of all agree that, yo, there needs to be a shift when it comes to the quarterback. Look, I'm not saying don't pay Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is one of one. But if Patrick Mahomes is getting whatever he's going to get, and I love Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is a far, far, far long ways away from Patrick Mahomes. But just because he's significantly above average and close in ace to Mahomes, he's going to get overpaid. And then you start looking, well, then how are the Texans going to get better? It's the it's the same cycle. The Patriots were the smartest team in professional sports because they identified it. They had the best quarterback. They had the best coach. And they got the best quarterback to take significantly below market value because the best quarterback is married to a supermodel. <laughs> and then they beat everybody for 20 years. While everybody else is trying to chase the next Tom Brady and then pay him like the next Matthew Stafford and then wonder why the Patriots are dominating for two decades. This doesn't seem that difficult to me, but maybe I'm crazy. It's a legitimate point. It could be the case. I want to hear what you guys have to think. Why do you think that we all agree that it should not get paid that much money, yet we all feel that the quarterback is still the best and most dominant and most important position in the NFL? Doesn't make sense, right? If Dak Prescott is checking all the boxes, then why is it that we all feel that $35, $37 million is too much for him? Doesn't make sense, right? I want to hear from you guys. Email me, quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at me, quarterly show. I want to hear from you, man. I feel like this idea, we've been we've been force-fed this idea that you need a franchise quarterback, despite the fact that the data says, no, you don't. 
history tells you, no, you don't. And Dak Prescott is kind of telling you, look, I'm a franchise quarterback, but we all say, yeah, but we ain't giving you that much money. We're not giving you that long-term contract. Huh? Make it make sense to me. That's all I want to know. I want to hear from you. Hit me up. All right, guys, you have heard the horn. That means we are at halftime this week, but because we've got so much to discuss, no halftime show for you guys this week. I know, I know. It's my favorite part of the show as well, but it takes a lot, and it takes time away from me kind of speaking to you all, right? So we're going to skip halftime. We're going straight into the second half and the third quarter. Third quarter. Last week, I did something very rare on this show. I actually spent a quarter talking about baseball. I know, shocking. So you can imagine how surprised I am that I wanted to devote another week talking about the quote-unquote America's pastime. Look, man, again, I am not a baseball fan, but I have been completely intrigued by this process that the baseball union and the owners, this this kind of cold war, it's not even really cold, this back and forth that they have been uh, in for the better part of three months now. So you can imagine my surprise when I found out that, yo, Baseball's still coming back despite the fact that they don't have an agreement. Now, again, let me make this perfectly clear. I am not a baseball expert. I am not a baseball novice. I don't like baseball. I don't follow it. I don't think the sport is intriguing to me. It's not knocking anybody who does love the game. Shout out to you. The game is fun to play. I don't like to watch it. So I am no, by no means am I an expert. So you can laugh at me for the next eight minutes or so as I kind of retell the story of me finding out that baseball will be coming back despite the fact that there is an agreement. But this just makes me, I don't even know how to feel, honestly. So I can only imagine how baseball fans feel. because, And maybe this was just common knowledge for every baseball fan out there. But if they had an agreement, and if the, if the commissioner, Rob Manfred, had the ability to just sign off on a 60-game season, what the hell was this last month two months about <laughs> it just seems like it was posturing and i know that yo they could have had extended postseason for two years and you know all this other stuff that they were they threw across in the proposal but if money was the issue and it clearly was not just for the owners but for both sides then what why did anyone think that something was going to get done? There is no real pressure. It's not like they was, there wasn't going to be baseball played. And the last few baseball player association responses, they said, Joe, just tell us where and when. Tell us where and when and we'll be there. So I'm thinking like, I remember reading it. And I was like, what, what are they talking about? Because again, I did not know. I was not aware that the commissioner would just be able to force um play for this season so all of this talk and this again i talked about this last week this is why baseball annoys me man there's so much dramatics so much theater so many people have gotten on the radio or on television oh my goodness baseball is missing an opportunity baseball is hurting itself and baseball is not hurting itself the people who love baseball are going to watch baseball it's like every other sport Everybody wants to, everybody's so theatrical now, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? These babies had me thinking that the baseball was going to miss a season. 
and it was obvious that they weren't. So what the hell was, was everybody fussing about? Because we're not going to get extended playoffs? Insert Jamor rant. Like, dog, everything doesn't need to be so, everything doesn't need to be this dire. Like, we don't need to exert so much energy on such little and frivolous things. And I, and again, it's easy for me to say, right, because I'm not a baseball fan. So I'm not trying to, to, to minimize or diminish the feelings of baseball fans. But, yo, basketball does some of the stuff too. Not to this degree, you know, like when basketball, when there is a potential work stoppage in the NBA, that's when people start really like, yo, what's happening here? And to go back to the first quarter, it's one of the reasons why there seems to be pressure to continue with this bubble idea, because if not, the CBA will get ripped up or has the chance to get ripped up. And then we may have a work stoppage. Right. But like this felt like in baseball, it felt like crying wolf. There was no way that baseball wasn't going to be played. And the idea that baseball is hurting itself because of this, I don't I don't even understand the grounds for that. Like, do I think that I've heard people say, oh, man, baseball had an opportunity to to be the sole sport that's being played and to have all the eyeballs on the sport. I mean, is not that the case every summer? Like baseball occupies a space where they're always the only major sport that's being played. And it doesn't like, so I, I just, I just missed that point altogether. Do I think people specifically in this day and age, not this day and age, but in this time where people are losing jobs um, left and right, where people are worrying about how they're going to pay bills while a, a global pandemic is ravaging through the world. Do I think people really want to hear about baseball players fighting with their owners? Probably not. But if you spend, like, but the people who would be focusing, like as a sports fan, and I told the story a few, like last year, I feel like working in news was so eye opening because literally right out of school, I basically, I, since I've been an adult, I've been working in sports. So, and all of my friends, the majority of my family members, all love sports. So when you're around people who not only don't like sports, don't even pay attention to them, it is eye-opening. Like, it really shakes you. Or it can shake you. It, it really shows just how little and how insignificant sports is to the overall world. So the people, right, who baseball always states of states its claim on, like, yo, man, you could just come to the ballpark. You don't even have to be a huge baseball fan. Come to the park, grab a beer, get some peanuts, and sit in the stands and talk to your friend. You know what I mean? Like that's part of the lore of baseball. The average, the average person who goes to baseball, I can't imagine, is coming home, turning on the news and reading about these proposals between the owners and the fans. I just find that. Like that's for diehards. If you're listening to this podcast, you're not a casual fan. You're like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there is a a very stark contrast between regular everyday people and sports fans. Sports fans, we are nuts. We are fans at the in the purest form, truly fanatics. Like even me, I try to be even keel. Boom, 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 dog. 
I'm still wrestling with how I'm going to move forward being uh, with the Knicks. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else could have done what they did, and it's easy for me to cut it off. But for whatever reason, here my black ass is struggling with how I'm going to deal with the Knicks. Like, it's silly. Like, fandom is silly. Sports fandom is ridiculously silly. And then, again, no disrespect to, you know, baseball fans. I'm not trying to rip your sport. But turn on a baseball game and, you know, We've been conditioned to understand back baseball. But think about it. The manager is wearing a uniform. <laughs> that motherfucker ain't playing? <laughs> right? You know, think about it. Basketball coaches in suits. NFL coaches would re- want to be in suits, but they can't because of, you know, the the endorsement deals with whomever, and you know, they have to wear the, the hoodie or whatever the case may be. Baseball co- managers, they got the 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 little joints on over the socks. You know what I'm saying? They got the whole thing. It's just silly. Again, no disrespect to the sport. I'm not trying to make this a, a, a let's rip baseball thing. But the fact of the matter is no one who's not a diehard fan would even cares about the labor dispute, spe- even specifically because they're still going to play. I've been I, When I found out that they're still going to play, I really just kind of sat with myself and like, yo, so what was all of this other stuff about? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they weren't going to play a whole 162 games. It's too late. Players wanted to play 100 of my games, obviously, because they want more money. I'm not mad at them. That's not a bad thing. Owners didn't want to have that many games because they didn't want to pay that much money. You know, I, I take more issue with that than the players, but I've already gone through that last week. Look, I'm always going to start with the players. So this isn't owner versus player. That's not what this quarter is about this week. This is about how ridiculous we are as a sports society. How ridiculous this is as a baseball fan. Like, why would they put you through that emotional? Like, if you if you genuinely love baseball and want baseball to come back, and maybe you didn't, you were like me and did not know that there was no way baseball wasn't going to come back. What was all the the, the hysteria for? What was that purpose for? Like, why? <laughs> These bombers are going to play baseball next month. They're going to come back before the NBA will. What's the issue? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, why get so worked up over that? I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Please, somebody. Actually, no. I was going to ask someone to try to explain it to me. No, I don't. I don't care. You know, I... This fascinated me for about a few weeks, and now that it's done, I can go back to my regularly scheduled program and not pay attention to baseball. But it's just odd. You know, it makes, at least me, it makes me start thinking, you know, why do they want to work us up so much? If you are a fan and you weren't aware of that, what were the last three weeks for? What was the purpose? Oh, uh, no. It makes me feel suspicious. But baseball fans... You all should feel happy. Your sport is coming back. And, you know, shout out to you. Enjoy your peanuts. Enjoy your Cracker Jacks and all that other bullshit. Congratulations. <laughs> all right, guys. While you're enjoying your Cracker Jacks, do me a favor, man. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Download and subscribe the Quarterly Report Podcast. And, if you don't mind, leave me five stars and review the 
this show, man. The reviews are so important. So I appreciate the downloads. I appreciate the love and the support. I appreciate the tweets and the emails. But if you could, spend me a few moments, man. Just send a, write down a little note why you love the quarterly report. Tell me, tell your friends, tell the world why I feel, or maybe why you feel. The quarterly report is one of the best sports podcasts out. All right, guys, three quarters are in the books, which means we are down to our final quarter. And we're going to step out of the world of sports, kind of, and talk about cancel culture, specifically a lot of celebrities catching heat in this new uprising world in 2020. So our fourth topic. Fourth quarter. Started with J. Cole. And yo, when I saw the reaction to J. Cole's freestyle, I was kind of taken aback. You know, it's funny because I am not an artist. And I think oftentimes what happens is we try to use whatever logic that we have, that we have grown up, however we view things, our vantage point. We then try to apply it to other people, right? We try to make other people see things what could be so clearly for us. So when I heard J. Cole's freestyle, I'm thinking, yo, Cole, man, you you guys should have just picked up the phone, or texted, no name the rapper who subsequently we all knew for a fact he was talking to addressing and he could have just really hit her up and be like, yo, help me. You seem to have a better understanding of this movement of how to operate, how to uh, bring about more attention, positive attention, how to move in this uprising help me understand help me know what better to do how to better utilize my platform because the funny thing is when you and i by no means am a j cole stand but when you if you were to remove rapping remove beats remove whatever it is you feel and then just read kind of what that song was there to me and again I am not coming from the perspective of a black woman. But to me, there doesn't seem to be any hostility there, right? Now, he messed up. Cole messed up many ways. The, the biggest way, again, at least in my opinion, he should have just hollered at her, just talked to her. Just called her up, texted her. Bro, you can have a conversation. I'm not an artist, so it's easy for me to say that. Like, I'm, I'm talking about my thoughts on sports and, and to a microphone right now. You understand what I'm saying? Some people, people who I know who are genuinely, truly artists, who, who like communicate with their art, it's hard for them. I've dated women in the past who, who could not speak, and, I, and I'm not very, this is back when I wasn't a very good communicator. That's something that I need to work on. But I dated a woman who she was, a, uh, she painted. And man, she would express herself so vividly through her paint. But when you would try to talk to her, figure out what was wrong, uh, nothing. I just don't want to. And then you see a painting like, oh, damn, you really mad at me. You, you big mad at me. You know what I'm saying? So I'm through my lens. Yo, I'm always like, yo, just tell me something wrong. Yo, tell me. But that's easy for me to say, right? Because for artists, that's sometimes what is the best way, which is the easiest way. What is the most therapeutic way for them to communicate? So my biggest issue with Cole Again, coming from a black man's perspective, right? So I am not, I can't fully feel the disrespect. Was that, yo, you should have just called her because your platform is so large. You make a song, 
Of course somebody going to feel some type of way. But then the second issue I had with Cole was like, yo, you can't say certain things. Certain things, I shouldn't say you can't. You can say things, but you also have to understand we're adults. We understand words have power and we understand there is a history behind a lot of words. We call them buzzwords, right? Case in point, I'm never going, No, even if you have good intentions, even if you mean well, right? Never in my wildest dreams would I walk up to a woman and see her and if she maybe look a little heavy, say, hey, when are you expecting? Even if she looks like she's pregnant. You just don't do that. If you don't know the person, and again, you can mean well, but you have to have the foresight, the, the understanding. You have to be mature enough to be like, you know what? That's not the move. You don't do that. You understand? Like, that's that's not the move. Again, you can mean well, but you have to have some decency, some tact. We all know you don't go up to a woman and say, hey, why don't you smile more? Eh, don't do that. That's an asshole move. Don't do that. I'm 6'4". Don't come up to me. I can't stand when people say, oh, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't wear these types of clothes. You should, you should put on a suit more. You don't look so intimidating. I can't help how I look. Like, this is how I look. You understand? Like, dog, I can't help if I'm intimidated. I, that's not my intent. I ain't thinking about nobody else. You can mean well. You can genuinely mean well. Oh, man. Somebody can say that to me. And be like, yo, I'm trying to help save you so you don't get jammed up because we all are paying more attention to, right, the, the criminal justice system, the inequality as it pertains to policing. So as a big black man, somebody could be like, yo, oh my, you got, you got to dress a certain way. You got to look a certain way, man. You don't want to be threatening. They probably mean well when it's a lot of people looking after me. But that ain't the move. Don't tell me that because I can't help. If you are intimidated by how I look, you understand? Similarly, J. Cole got to know, you don't tell a black woman something's wrong with a tone because that's a buzzword. Those are, those are very sensitive words because women, black women, have been told basically their whole lives, the way they sound, the way they talk is threatening, is aggressive. They mean, they got an attitude, all this other stuff, sass, like dog. I'm raising, I'm, I'm raising a, a young black woman and I've already heard it come from teachers and my daughter, the sweetest thing in the world. You feel me? So you can imagine if that's just my daughter, my child, you have an entire country full of black women who've had to deal with that for decades throughout their entire lives. So yeah, they're going to feel away as they should. J. Cole was wrong for that. He was an asshole for that. You understand? So we have that out the way. I think he, he messed up. He fucked up two times. Should have hollered at her. But that's easy for me to say I'm not an artist. So I, though I still feel he should have just, hey, can we talk? I don't think she's going to say no. That's where I think he messed up, number one. Number two, and probably the biggest mistake is that he's telling somebody that they need to check their tone. He's telling a black woman she need to check her tone. Huh? Come on, Cole. You better than that. Well, I shouldn't say that. I expected more of you. But now, 
He got caught out there. He got called out. And though I think his actual, the way I took it, he was asking for help. He was saying, yo, I'm not as smart as y'all think I am. He was being honest. Everybody didn't talk about how they want something real. He John told you. And what did people do? Oh, what you don't read? Oh, what you don't read? Let me tell you something. Dead ass. All these bombers who was killing J. Cole for saying he don't read. All the bombers don't read either. Everybody who was on your timeline this past Friday saying, yo, how y'all not know about Juneteenth? Everybody didn't know about Juneteenth, bro. Like, there are people who will make some people feel bad that they just recently found out about Juneteenth. That's nasty. Every black person ain't know about that joint, and that's okay. That's okay, because if you learned about it, right, we all learned something. I didn't learn about Juneteenth until I was 21. It ain't the proudest moment, but I learned about it, right? Now, imagine if I felt the way when the person who told me made me feel like, like you don't know about You understand? So what I'm saying is people are nasty. People are nasty, and Bama's lie. You know what I'm saying? And people try to get on Cole because he said he didn't read. Because he said, yo, I'm just average with my intellect. I thought that shit was like, yo, I, yo, congrats. Like, I, that's dope to me. And he could have avoided all of that mess if he would have just hollered at her, just talked to her. The same thing he rapped to the whole world, he could have said, yo, I don't know if you was talking to me when you made that tweet, but I felt like you were. And look, I'm not the smartest brother. I'm not. People may think that I'm like this. I'm not. And it seems like you know what you're talking about. It seems like you were in a position that you have this a grasp on how we can utilize this moment and make it bigger and make it lasting. Can you help me? Can you help me so I know and then I can then tell others? Because I feel like when you're telling me like this, it, 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 it really hurts the movement. Imagine if he just called her and said that. But he made it a song. He talked about her tone. And Obama's put his ass in the ringer. Speaking of the ringer, <laughs> Bill Simmons, they was on his ass too. They was on his ass for comments he made. He made a podcast a few weeks ago where he was talking about, you know, it wasn't even really, well, he jumped in, but it was Rosillo talking about the looters and people riding, stealing shoes, whatever, whatever. Sounding like a fool, right? He apologized. I don't know Rosillo. I don't know Simmons. Bill Simmons then, they called him on, I guess, he had a meeting. Because during that same podcast, Ryan Rosillo was saying, yo, he was congratulating Bill Simmons for diversity. The Ringer Union was like, no, we don't. We're not a very diverse output. You started seeing all these articles, former people who wrote for or participated with the Ringer, or even people who worked in Grantland. Like, yo. It's not a it's not a comfortable environment for black people, for brown people. They had Bill Simmons in a conference call saying, yo, I'm not giving everybody a podcast opportunity. This ain't an open mic. Come to find out, you know, he gave his, his, his son, everybody, like so many people eating. You know? And it's weird because again, I don't believe in cancel culture. I don't. It never works. It it's it's just a facade. And I see so many people come at Simmons. Look, I don't know what he is. I don't know what he's done. You can read some of his older articles. 
is cringeworthy. And I've always, I've never really liked his articles per se, but I appreciate his vision. The brother knows what he's talking about. And there are people who, who swear by him. Now, just because you do right by people you are close with, just because you do right by people who already have a certain level of power, who are already on, does not then absolve you for everything else you do. But what I'm interested in when it comes to Bill Simmons, similar to the way I'm interested when it comes to Cole, is how do they use this moment moving forward? Because it's easy to get the defensive and to hear the criticism and be like, nah, man, fuck y'all. That's the easy thing to do. Cole could be like, dog, you know what I do? Look at all the things that I've done that I never tell people about. Bop, 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 bop. So y'all gonna come at me like this? Fuck y'all. And then just not listen, not hear. That's the easy thing to do. I hope he doesn't do it. And I'm watching, I'm listening to see if he hears the criticism. And instead of lashing out, listens. And then tries to better himself moving forward. We all need to do that in some way, shape, or form. None of us are perfect. None of us. We've all flawed. We are all flawed, I should say. We've all hurt other people. And in this moment where we're all talking about equality and unity, which is dope, we also got to be like, yo, how can I check myself? Or how did I check myself in the past to get better? I'm one. I'm watching to see what Bill Simmons and how he moves moving forward. Because again, he could be like, you know what? I just signed this, what, $100 million, $200 million contract with Spotify? Fuck y'all. I'm good. Van Lathan got a new podcast now. Jamel on my podcast network now. You understand? Uh, Larry Whitmore. I'm good. He could do that. He absolutely, he doesn't even need to respond to anything. He could just fall back and just be like, I'm done. Social media is done. Like, the, the ringer is already established. They're good now. He could absolutely do that. He could fall back. He could lash out. But I want to see if he's going to listen and then learn. It's one thing to to hire Jamel. That's dope, mind you, because we could talk about the podcast game. And as a black man, I could say, yo, there are not a lot of black podcasts. And we could talk about black men. There are less black women. But Jamel is already her own entity. She don't work for the ringer. Let's see if Bill Simmons finds the woman or a woman who has a voice who's not on and gives her the opportunity that he's given so many other people. But who aren't, because when it comes to us, you got to be established to get on. And that's not just him. That's just when you look around. Identify all the podcasts. And this is something that I kind of know a little bit about because for the last three years, I've been watching, I've been looking, I've been maneuvering, and I've seen it too. If you're a black podcast, you're immediately titled Urban, and, and there's a certain connotation that comes along with it. And that's not bad, right? But if you're, there's some people who would never look at something that's considered urban. And I was reading an article, and it was so, it was so pitch perfect. It was so poignant. When you look at the black podcasts that finally do get on, Nine times out of ten is because they got a cosign. But the cosign comes after the black the black podcast gets on by themselves. Whereas other podcasts, 
new and noteworthy articles written about like it, it's just different bro so bill simmons is cut, catching hell and again i don't know him i don't think of the man as a racist i don't know him personally obviously but like i said i don't think of him as a racist i think people are calling him out for his actions and that's and that's another thing so many people get so defensive when people call you out and saying yo Look at your race. Look at your actions through the lens of race. That doesn't mean you're a racist. So many people make that leap. We're like, yo, you're saying I don't have black people. You calling me a racist? I didn't say you're a racist. What you're saying that I need to hire more more women? You're saying I'm a misogynist? You're saying I'm sexist? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you need to address this. You need to look at your actions because there may be some of that there. I mean, there's clearly something there, but you may not be doing it purposely. It could be your subconscious. You need to look at it and fix it. That doesn't mean you just start giving any old person a, a, a spot at the podcast. Like, dog, like the idea that it's so hard to find women, black women or black people, podcasters. Like there's so many dope podcasters out there. The people who come on this show regularly, with the, I shouldn't say regularly, but there's a significant people who come on this show. They're all podcasters. I can name you throughout the entire three years. I probably have about five or six bad interviews and 150. Well, I don't always have guests. So let's say in 140, 140 shows, I've had maybe five or six bad interviews. The majority of them have their own podcast. You understand? It's not hard. If I can find people on their shows who know how to speak and are engaging and are entertaining, if I can do it, I know the staff at the ringer can do it. Likewise, if I know not to say to a woman, yo, you should smile more. You should smile more, man. You look so much pretty when you smile. If I know that's off, if I know that's nasty, if I know that's an asshole move, J. Cole know not to talk to a woman and be like, yo, not to talk to a black woman, yo. I need. I think you should change your tone, huh? Come on, Joe. We making we making things harder than they have to be. Being decent doesn't have to be this hard. Changing becomes harder because we double down on what we are. Anytime when people try to critique us, when people try to make a note, like, hey, man, that's you may want to look at that. So many times it becomes second nature for us just to bunker down and double down like nah and then get defensive. Then it becomes harder to change. Nah, man, let's stop that. We are living in the, what feels like a soul, a, like such a pivotal moment in history. It will be a damn shame if we waste it off of some ego and pride. All of us need to look around and be like, yo, man. How can I do better? How can I be better? If equality and unity is what we are really talking about. Because that's just sound nice. Everybody tweeting Black Lives Matter right now. And then they go back to their jobs and they look around and ain't that many black folk there. Huh? That can't be the move. Everybody talking about, hey, man, you know, let's celebrate Pride Month. Pride, yeah, do, 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 do. And then you still calling Bama's every other name out your mouth, something derogatory. They're not even homosexual. They're not even part of the LGBTQ community. 
Huh? We gotta we if we if we really about it, man. The symbolic gestures gotta stop. It ain't about that no more. It's never been about that. If we really want to change, if we genuinely want to change, man, we got to put in the work and we can't back off and stray away from it because it's going to get hard because you're going to catch some heat because mama's going to not be nice to you. Nah, that ain't it. So while we saw Tina Fey, Bill Simmons, J. Cole, and a countless list of other people catch some hell this week, I'm interested in seeing how they respond. You gonna get defensive? You gonna get quiet, shell up, fall back? Or you gonna address it? Be like, you know what? You're right. And I'm gonna try to get better. And with your actions, not a press release, we're not gonna be able to find it out by how well written you are, or how uh, sad and how compassionate you seem on an interview. Nah, 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 nah. Your actions gonna have to speak for this one. All of our actions are going to have to speak for that. That's what I'm ready to look for. That's what I'm expecting. That's what I'm hopeful that we see. I'm hopeful I hear from you guys, though. Let me know what you guys think about anything that you may have heard on this podcast or something that you may not have. I want to address it. I'm not backing off on anything, man. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at the show at quarterlyshow. We spell quarterly here, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. Make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to pods, right? Download, subscribe, write, rate, and review. It's a lot, I know, and a lot of other people are asking you, man. But if you can, if you have the time, do so for the quarterly report, man, because I really think that this show, man, the momentum that we built, man, it's coming, man. It's, it's, it's strong, man. And I really appreciate each and every one of you all for throughout these trying months. This first six months of this year has been nuts. You guys have been steadfast with your boy. I really appreciate that. I love each and every one of you all. Make sure you guys stay safe out there. Make sure you keep your peace, your peace of mind, man. Make sure you're healthy. Make sure you have the peace of your family as well. And I will see you right back here next Tuesday for another episode of the Quarterly Report.